My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight, and we've been going through a series called Bigger Vision, and how God has a bigger vision than sometimes we can see. We, we uh, see this small part of what do, God's doing when he's doing things all across the world. And so if you'd like to follow along with some notes, there's notes in version, which is the Bible app on your phone or your iPad. You can follow along by clicking on that, and then on the right-hand corner, it says more, and you can click on that and then click on events, and then you can see our event on version. Today, we're going to be in the book of Acts, and I heard last week went really well because I don't know how Pastor Aaron and his wife Sarah finished a whole book in one week, but they did, and that's pretty awesome. I saw pictures of like all the stuff that they had on stage and everything, and I was really, really excited about that. And so we've gone from Esther, and now we're going to be in the book of Acts with Peter. And recently we talked about Peter, and I, I want to give you a little bit of background on Peter before we even get into anything more. Peter is the person that when Jesus was arrested, denied Jesus. He's the person that would be like the least likely candidate at the place you work to defend you when something happens. Peter would be the person that makes the mistake that causes everyone problems. And yet we're going to see today, Peter had a very different reaction to what happened when Jesus was resurrected. He, had a, he was actually the rock. Jesus actually says, it's the rock I built my church on, and yet it's the person that denied him when he needed it most. And so before we get started talking about Peter and talking about Acts chapter 2, you can turn there, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to pray because we need to ask God to, to have his presence felt in this time and, and have, have an opportunity for him to do something through us this week as a result of the sermon or the worship music or, or something we see today at church. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning that as we look at, at, at the words Peter uh, preached, the sermon that he did on the day of Pentecost, that God, you would open our hearts and our minds to the potential for what you can do in our lives that you would allow us to see the, the difference between someone that, that is, is living with the Holy Spirit and someone that's, that's just kind of being moral. Let us be a church filled with people that are following you, that are following you with our entire lives. Let us listen to the words that, that Peter spoke on that day and realize, much like Peter, we can have a turnaround just 50 days later, and he's preaching one of the, the most memorable sermons of all time. 50 days after he denied that you were his Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to see that we can have a bigger vision, a turnaround in our lives. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever walked into a situation that you, it's not what you thought it was? Anybody? Yeah, the older you are, the more you're going to raise your hand. It's going to get a little higher because you're going to have more situations like that. One of two things can happen in that situation. You can be blessed because things are better than you thought they were, or they can be worse than you thought. So I'm going to give you an example of this. A current cultural phenomenon, and the reason I'm saying this is because I think, you know, some of you may not look on Twitter, but the top five most trending topics, I always look at that because I find it funny. Sometimes it's really hilarious stuff like cat videos, okay? It, there's, there's two 
documentaries released recently about a failed music fest called Firefest. And they were trying to be so cool with how they spelled fire that they spelled it F-Y-R-E. You know, they're trying to be cool. And so the, the one person, one person, the guy who was putting this on, defrauded people, defrauded the vendors, defrauded the people that bought tickets, defrauded the workers, and now he's in federal prison because it's not what it was supposed to be. How could all this happen? Because it's not what we thought it was. The, the, the people, they, they had this nice marketing video which, you know, marketing's great, but they had this nice marketing video like, we're going to live on a yacht all week while we're at this music festival in the Bahamas, and it's going to be so cool. And people bought into the experience. And then they got to the Bahamas and actually got locked in the airport on the island in the Bahamas they were at because they were so afraid that there was going to be rioting because there was no food and water. I'm sorry, but that is the worst advertising ever. They, they advertised something, they didn't get it. So it was, it was some slick marketing, and then they sold tickets to essentially rich millennials. And in the end, the advertising didn't match up what was going on. People got stuck on the island for days, literally. This island out in the middle of nowhere, they got stuck there. Planes wouldn't come, and then finally they got out. But there were people that invested in this, in this venture that lost everything. And it all started with something very simple. And you see it every day, a slick marketing campaign. They had, they had videos. They had uh, social media influencers, people on social media posting about this. And as we go and, and we talk about Peter today, you may be thinking, what does this have to do with Peter at Pentecost? And what it is is, Jesus didn't need a slick marketing campaign. He was who he says he was. Peter, Peter even says... This Jesus three times in his sermon. This Jesus, this one, this very specific one, because there's been others that have come up. There's other people claiming to do this, but he's the one who actually followed through. And I'm going to tell you today, it's really easy in our world to chase those other things. The people that got defrauded were chasing a lifestyle. They wanted money. They wanted the, uh, the illusion of wealth. But the reality was they got cheese sandwiches when they arrived and got locked in an airport because they were afraid it was going to be a riot. And Jesus doesn't bait and switch us like that. Peter's very clear here. He didn't need a slick marketing campaign. Jesus is the one that God had promised for hundreds of years. Peter's going to quote from the prophet Joel and from Psalms. Because Jesus was the one that was coming. And now he's here. Today, let God expand Expand your heart and your mind with the love, with love for Jesus. Because our bigger vision for the church is really simple. God expands his people. We've talked a lot about how a bigger vision requires more than you can see. And so this bigger vision that, that God has through Peter and through this sermon in Acts chapter 2, start, I'm going to start in verse 14, by the way, is so much greater than what Peter saw 50 days earlier, Right? Do you think he would have denied Jesus if he saw what he's going to preach about here? I don't think so. So starting in verse 14, Peter's there, and just so you know, right before that, the Holy Spirit comes down. People are speaking in other languages. They're prophesying. They're saying things about God's truth. This is what God's going to do. And then Peter's there, and it starts with 
in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's the only third hour of the day. I sure hope not, right, guys? That's the only explanation. They think that's the only explanation. How are these people doing this? It makes no sense. There's no phenomenon to explain what the Holy Spirit is going to do in these people. But then it continues. Verse 16, it says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and they will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the blood to moon, before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, Peter should have just stopped there. That was a really good point that he made there right at the end. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God has a bigger vision for for Peter. This 50-day period is a complete reversal. Some of you have someone in mind when I say, This person has no hope. Now make make a list in your head of the people that you think have no hope. God changed Peter in 50 days. Peter was the disciple that followed Jesus around. And then next thing you know, he's like, I don't even know this guy. And now he's the mouthpiece for the biggest movement in in, in all of history. He had a total turnaround. If you think things can get worse today... In your life, they probably can. If you think things can be better, that you probably, they probably can. But your faith and trust in Jesus is that he will always have a bigger vision for you. That, it's, it's, it's very simple. Peter's here with the other disciples and the people from Judea and Jerusalem. And he starts by saying, let it be known. My kids do this all the time. I go to talk to them. I lean down because my son's about three. I get on my knee and I try to talk to him face to face. And the first thing he does is this. He like looks around. I'm like, no, look at me. (laughs) Peter's saying, look at me. Let it be known. You need to listen to this. They didn't know the good news of Jesus Christ. They thought they did. Peter also makes it clear that the people that just received the Holy Spirit are not drunk. This was the only explanation the crowd had. The, The only way. And Peter knew his audience. Sometimes you, you don't know your audience. I, want, I once went to hear someone speak at Grace College Chapel. And the person spoke, and they were, they were this guy that was really hyped up, and I was really excited. And all he talked about the whole time was Christian education. But like Christian educators, so like Christian school principals was what he talked about. And I was like, uh, we're a bunch of college students and seminary students. What does that have to do with us? I mean, there was a percentage of people that were going to become Christian school teachers, but it was the small percentage. It's if I come in the room today and I decide I'm going to talk to all the 13-year-old and 12-year-old people in the room. That's what I'm going to target my sermon to. So Peter knew his audience, though. Instead of doing that, he knew it was mostly Jewish. So the first thing he does to defend and say this is, this is the truth, he goes to the Old Testament. 
Because the Old Testament is, is what the Jews would have said, this is the authority here. He used that to describe what's happened. And Peter makes it clear, God foretold that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And before we turn the Holy Spirit into some special club, before we do that, it's for all believers, regardless of age, gender, or status. It's pretty clear here. Peter's like, hey, your sons and daughters are going to do this. The men are going to do this. The servants are going to do this. It, it, everyone is going to get this. And definitely in that culture, that was breaking down a cultural, cultural norm that adult men had all the power. And yet the reality is everyone in God's family is going to have access to the Holy Spirit. And then there were signs and wonders coming, and God foretold of them. And we get to the end here, and this is one of the phrases that is dear to me, because when my dad was growing up, he heard this passage before he became a believer, like years before, and when he truly put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he just cried out to him. It wasn't some miraculous thing. It wasn't like, say a prayer. It was, I'm just calling on Jesus' name, because I know that if I call on his name, I'm going to be saved from all this stuff that's happening to me. And so when, when we don't take that into account, we don't realize that it's not, some, it's not rocket science to be a follower of Jesus. It's hard. It takes time. Your situation and your circumstance might make it more difficult, but he's always there. And then Peter makes it even more specific. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't really mention Jesus right there, but he goes right into it, verse 22. So the first thing that he does is he talks about Jesus of Nazareth. So we're going to read there in a second. But he's pointing out that this Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, is the one who died on the cross. It's the one that was raised from the dead. It's the one that we saw with our own eyes that ascended to heaven. And the moment he's leaving, the Holy Spirit comes. So, so in verse 22, as we continue his sermon here, it says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in our midst, as you yourselves know. They know about this. They've heard about it. There's rumors going around. This is, this is on, the, on everyone's lips. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, David, King David. Again, Peter is going to King David, which is one of the, the patriarchs of the faith. Everyone knows who King David is. King David is Abraham Lincoln. King David is George Washington to Americans. Okay, King David said this. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh would also dwell in hope, for I will not abandon my soul to Hades or let the Holy One, Jesus, see corruption. For you have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness in your presence. Peter outlined what happened with the Holy Spirit in people in the first part of the sermon, and now he goes even further. He says, this is, this is Jesus. 
It's not just about the Holy Spirit and, the, and this thing that's happening. It's about Jesus. Verse 22 shows us that Jesus, this Jesus fulfilled what Joel said and Peter quoted earlier. And I've, I've already used the term this Jesus quite a few times, but Peter uses it, so I'm just using it like him. He says this Jesus, this Jesus, this Jesus. If there was a, a, a clarification it's like being in a conversation and you feel like you're talking about something totally different than the other person. And Peter's like, no, I want to be clear, it's this Jesus. He says it three times. There'd been other people, though, and why would he do that? There's other people that were claiming to be the Son of God. They were claiming to be the Messiah, the, the Savior, the Lord. But it's this Jesus. Peter was testifying that Jesus was the one. He is, he is God. And lawless men crucified him. Pilate even said, I washed my hands of this. And he was like, <laughs> Roman governor, like, like he, he wasn't exactly a moral person, but it was part of God's plan. And God raised him from the dead because death could not hold him. We just sang about that. Do you understand how cool that is? How exciting that is? I mean, just, just fathom this for a second. No Hollywood like special effects. Jesus rose from the dead. His body was lifeless. It was cold. And all of a sudden, it was warm. He was alive again. And so, Peter quotes David here. And I, I want you to understand, Peter is being very specific about the Holy Spirit. He's being very, very, very specific. He's saying things that allow us to see when we're in the presence of God, this is how we are. How are we? We're not going to be shaken. It says there, if you, look back, if you look back through the quote, it's through verses 25 through 28. Verses 25 through 28, it says we're not going to be shaken. When, when the Holy Spirit is with us, we are not going to be shaken by circumstance because God is with us. We're not going to be shaken by, by anything. If you're looking at a, a spectrum of how hard your life is, I'd be willing to bet in the, in the course of time, our lives are more convenient than any period of history ever. Any period of history ever. You're not going to be shaken by circumstance. You're going to have gladness. Nothing can be taken away from you. Someone can say something negative to you, and your response is either nothing, you're just like, okay, or your response is, I don't really see things that way. I think God blessed us with blank or this happened. Your praise in your words. Your words are not going to be constantly complaining and grumbling. The Israelites went through the desert for 40 years because they complained and grumbled. I mean, that's a long time to, to suffer through that. Our words are going to turn to pra what praises of what God is doing. We're going to have hope. Hope comes through Jesus because the present life and the afterlife, that's the same thing. And we're going to know the right path. You ever go down the wrong path? <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people already raised their hand. Yeah, I've gone down the wrong path when I'm camping. You don't want to get lost, okay? It's not fun. You know, every year there's some news story about someone getting lost in Colorado or Alaska or somewhere because they went down the wrong path and they can't find them. When we have the Holy Spirit... God is going to make clear the right path for us because we know the truth of Jesus being the one. 
But there's an opposite thing here. And this, you don't see this in this passage. But I'm telling you, the audience knows that what he's talking about is not true of everybody. Otherwise, he wouldn't even say it. They were shaken. The Jews at the time, every time a new Messiah came up, they would just switch to that person. And they'd switch to this person. It's the same thing what we do in our contemporary Christian culture when we say, hey, this celebrity pastor is really cool. Oh, this celebrity pastor is really cool. Oh, let's go to this guy. Let's follow this person. I really like this person on Twitter. It's the same thing that I mentioned at the beginning when it talked about Firefest. Oh, people put it on social media, so it must be true. There's one video out there, and all of a sudden people show up, and it's not what it seems. And so maybe you're not thinking about that yet, but look at what the opposite is. And that's the flesh, when we live without the Holy Spirit. And the first thing we noticed about this, we were talking about this in sermon prep, is you become really lonely. You know why you become lonely? Because when you act selfishly, you become lonely. Because guess what? People don't want to be around you. I would argue that loneliness is the number one issue in our country right now. It's the number one issue. People, people are walking through places with their phones in their face. And I showed a picture about, about a year ago. It was an art exhibit where people, uh, where they took a picture and they took the phones out of the picture. And it was a bunch of people staring at their hands in like weird situations. It's like, that is what we've become. And reality is, there's nothing better than having a conversation with another human being. So you'll be lonely. You'll be pushing people away. You'll be shaken by your circumstance. When you're living in the flesh, you can't change things in your circumstances because God, you're going to be let down. That's why you're shaken. Your heart's depressed. Instead of being glad, we look to ourselves and others, and we end up really depressed because we're not going to find fulfillment in another person. And this one's the hardest one of these. If you're listening, perk up your ears. You're going to hate God's presence. When you're living in the flesh, you're going to say, well, God's telling me I did something wrong here. And no, God's trying to embrace you. You're going to hate God's presence. Because instead of loving God's presence, you're going to be running from it when you're living in the flesh. You're going to be hopeless. Because the only hope is found in Jesus Christ. Because he's who he says he is. This Jesus, as Peter says, this Jesus is the one. You're going to be corrupt because without Jesus, there's really no reason for purity. And honestly, there's no reason for morality. You can make one up, but really, morality is based in, in a Judeo-Christian ethic. There's no other reason for morality. For years, there's been no answer for why we should be moral outside of the Bible. People have claimed with other religions, but morality is relative in some of them. The path, the, the, the flesh leads, the path leads to death. It's as simple as that. It leads to physical and spiritual death. And David in the Old Testament is an example of someone with the Holy Spirit. And that's why he's saying these things. And Peter's quoting it. If we live in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We will exhibit evidence of the Holy Spirit. We will do things that make people turn their heads and go, what? Instead of saying, what? Because it's a bad thing. It's, what? Why did they do that? 
Why did that person take care of me in a way that I wasn't expecting? Jesus is where the hope is found. And, and he keeps continuing. He actually, Peter, in the next part, in verse 29, starts with, brothers, people, people from the church, this is it. It's Jesus. And your hope's not going to be found in anything else. When we're living in the flesh, we're going to try and find hope anywhere. And there's, there's one, one uh, addiction issue that I think is never addressed in the church. Caffeine, right? I didn't get a good night's sleep, so I'm going to find my hope in Caffeine. Give me a triple shot espresso. That's what, I, that's what I do. Espresso, not espresso. I learned that. Maybe it's in money. Maybe your hope is found in money. Maybe, maybe it's in a pill bottle. You're like, this medicine is going to help me for the rest of the time. Medicine is a great tool, but it's not a great master. If you think about it, the reason people have trouble with, with different chemicals in their body it's because we, we, we let it master us. But Peter doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop and say, hey, David said this stuff. The Holy Spirit's here. This is what it's talking about. This is what you need. He continues. Starting in verse 29, it says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch, David. See, he says patriarch there. David, that, was, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he sent one of his descendants on the throne, that's Jesus, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ and he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. There was no decay. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he, he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Let me make it clear again. Peter says a lot of things to clarify. He's making it clear that David was a man that followed God, but not the Lord and the Savior. And I'm wondering why he had to do that, but my guess is, and what I've read, is that a lot of the people held David up as, as essentially the best person in all of Judaism. He was the person that you looked to as far as following God. But God told David about a coming king, one that would sit on his throne. He would conquer death. It was going to be different more than any other human being. It's not, he's not going to be abandoned to hell. His body's not going to decay. And then God raised up Jesus from, to life. But instead, David's body decayed. David was raised to, raised to, or laid to rest in the grave. This Jesus, yes, this one, the one I've been talking about, that you're witnesses to, has been given authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. He's given to the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And I think this is where it goes really awry. I don't know if you, as you were reading through that, you maybe read the last verse and thought, whoa, okay. Because Peter does something here that is really kind of scary. Imagine I'm standing here, and you guys are the ones that put Jesus on the cross, okay? I'm Peter. 
You're his audience. And then he goes and says, this Jesus that I'm talking about, he's the one that you crucified. He's the one that you killed. That's the one. That's a little scary, isn't it? Think about it. Peter is being so specific here to say, this is exactly who was God. This is your Lord and Savior. And you guys put him on the cross. But here's, here's the caveat. Here's the thing that, that changes that. This was part of God's plan. There is hope. And Jesus still receives you. That's how he ends the sermon. And then they ask a question. Can you imagine being in that room? Can you guys do something for me in exercise? This will wake you up a little bit. Can you guys all start talking at the same time like you're in a conversation with the person next to you? Please. Louder, come on. Okay, keep going. Awkward conversation. All right. All right, stop. That's what was happening when Peter finished his sermon. They're going, what's going on? What is he talking about? Oh, no. I can't believe this is going on. Everyone's talking about it. It's probably the best sermon ever, right? Every pastor's like, oh, I'm just glad people are talking about the sermon after. That is what happened. Because they start with this. Verse 37. Oh, wow. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said to the rest of the disciples, and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brothers, what shall we do? This is a mess. What are we going to do about it? Tell us, tell us what to do. We're desperate. We just killed the guy that's, that's, our, 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 that's God, that's our Lord and Savior. What? What? He's the one David talked about, the prophet Joel. He's the one we've heard about since we were a little kid, but we killed him. What is going on? And Peter said to them, Peter said said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Guess what? That means everyone in this room and every single person you've ever come in contact with. Promise are for those that are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness. Obviously, they're not recorded here. This was the most important part of the sermon. He continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people. Peter shared the mission of Jesus, declaring that Jesus is the only hope, and people were cut to the heart. They were convicted about Jesus. So they asked the question, now what? What should we do? What are we going to do? And Peter gives the easiest explanation of the good news. You know, if you want to mark this in your Bible, if someone ever asks you the question, what shall I do? I've heard things about Jesus. What shall I do? It's right here. It's right here. Peter outlines the whole thing. Repent of your sin. Maybe this morning when I say that, there's a heaviness. Just repent of your sin. Jesus is already ready to take that burden. He died on the cross to take that burden from you. And be baptized in the name of Jesus. If you have not been baptized, 
publicly professed, told everyone that you know that you are getting baptized because you're identifying with Jesus, there's never a better time to do that. And then the response, it's, it's so simple. You're going to be forgiven, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. The, the promise is for everyone, even those that have been far off from God. And many of us in this room, at some point in your life, felt you were very far from God. Maybe you are feeling that way right now. But I can tell you that God's promise is still for you. I've got a little math equation here that uh, if you are uh, any type of math inclination, you're probably not um, looking at this. But repentance plus baptism equals forgiveness in the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think we're getting the good end of the deal on that one, to be honest. Because repentance is something that we constantly do. When I, when I go and I do something that I shouldn't have done, what do I do? The, I, I go ask forgiveness, and I want forgiveness. And sometimes what happens when you ask forgiveness? The other person says no. The problem is Jesus is waiting there with open arms. His answer is never no. It's always Yes. The Holy Spirit, if we, if we learn about what the difference between the Holy Spirit and the flesh, man, we're getting the good end of the deal with the Holy Spirit there. Because we can continue to live in the flesh. We can, st- we can still try to do things our own way, never make it. And Peter continued to encourage them. He says, save yourself from this crooked generation. What is up is down. What is down is up. Has anyone ever watched the news recently? Like, this is a crooked generation. It's, 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 save us from this crooked generation. Peter's speaking 2,000 years ago, and yet it's still as applicable today. There's no difference. And here's why. Because God has a bigger vision for his church. Peter's sermon on that day of Pentecost was not just for that time. It was for all of mankind after that And the people, when you go home and you open up the word of God and Peter's sermon's right there, it's still true then, it's still true 50 years ago, and it's still true now. It doesn't change. And that's how God expands his people. It says 3,000 were added to their number. It's not because Peter was a great preacher. It's because the word of God is true. And I'm going to tell you four things about Peter's sermon If you're taking notes, you want to write these down because this is so important here. I know I'm getting fired up. I got really excited. Being gone a week, you know, I got pent-up energy. Peter's sermon was scriptural. It was scriptural. He consistently quoted scripture and used it as a basis for all he was saying. It was scriptural. He didn't didn't uh, veer from that. That was the basis of what he was doing. It was Jesus-centered. It was focused on Christ. It was focused on Jesus. Peter focused on him because he's the only hope we have for eternal life. It was Jesus-centered. This next one is the hard one. It was convicting. Peter said things that were convicting. He didn't pull the punches. And you know that term, pull the punches, is like if you're a boxer, instead of punching all the way through, you kind of like go back like this. He didn't pull the punches. He punched him right with an uppercut. Hey, guess what? You guys, you're the ones that killed him. But guess what? There is hope. Because here's the good news. He's going to forgive you for that and for everything you've ever done. Sermon, good sermons are convicting. He spoke truth in an unpopular truth, too, but with hope. 
And last, it's, it's practical. He didn't leave them at the end without the steps to make a change. They asked questions. And the next thing you know, he's telling them. It wasn't just information. You, you can go and live in, and go to church your whole life, and it's just a bunch of information. When I was in seminary, we used to go to these like Bible conferences that were specifically for like Bible professors. And I went to one. And I realized very quickly that half the people there, if not more, were not Christians. They just study the Bible. They were from all over the world. They just study the Bible as if it was just a document. It wasn't the living, breathing word of God. And they had no hope. Kind of scared me a little bit. Goes to show information. It's not the end all. Those four things should be in every sermon we do here at Sunlight. Every single sermon needs to be like that. It needs to have scripture. It needs to be Jesus-centered. It needs to be convicting and also needs to be practical. If you don't have steps, what's going to happen next? Or even lingering with a question. I've ended a lot of sermons with a question, and I am going to do that today. Lingering with a question so that you can actually process and think, okay, as a result of what I've heard today, what steps do I need to take? It's not as always as simple as an action because God needs to deal with your heart. So repentance plus baptism equals forgiveness plus Holy Spirit. I think that's the best way of saying it. So has God expanded the vision for your life? If you don't know him, maybe he hasn't done that yet. If you do know him, when did he do that? Is he doing that? Ask him for that. Let me see bigger picture. What is going on? God, why has this year been so difficult already? God, why is there so much snow? More's coming, guys. I shouldn't mention the weather because last time we had a blizzard when I mentioned the weather. And here's another question. Have you repented and been baptized? Have you gone to God and said, I am a sinner. I've done wrong things, but I know you're going to forgive me. Have you repented and been baptized? Have you said, I'm identifying with this Jesus guy, this Jesus. Peter saying, this Jesus, I'll tell you what, in this world of, of multiple religions and this, this whole like, do what you want kind of attitude, saying this Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, this passage maybe was written for someone converting from Hinduism. Because you can just add another God to your religion. But he's, no, this Jesus, he's the only hope. He's the only one. There's no other. There's nothing in this world. He created you. And so I want you to leave here this morning being excited. Being excited because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And because, because of that truth... We believe in a resurrected king and savior. So that's my question. Do you believe in a resurrected king and savior? Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we should be laughed at and we're fools if the resurrection wasn't true. Christians should be laughed at. But the resurrection is true. And because it's true, this Jesus is different than any other thing in the entire world. Any other person, any other Messiah, any other thing that you're, you're, you're being mastered by, Jesus is greater than that. He's bigger than that. His vision for his church is greater than that. And so something 
I had to process and listen to. I'm going to leave with this. So there's 3,000 people that became followers of Jesus Christ that day. 3,000 people. How many people do you think were there? Everyone heard the same message. It's probably a lot more than 3,000. If, if they're talking about the people from Judea, there's people from, from Jerusalem. At that time, the town or the, the city was much larger than that. They probably come all out to see what these crazy drunk people are doing, right? You know? Someone comes down your street acting all drunk, you probably go outside or you look through your window, you know, you want to see. They're the only ones that actually heard the message. Don't leave here this morning not hearing the message. The other people turned and walked away because they didn't hear. You know, as a parent, I know there's something that happens very often, and my wife can echo this. We tell one of our children to do something. We make eye contact. We do all the steps, eye contact. I get down on my knee. I'm talking to my son. And then they go and do the exact opposite thing. Don't leave here today thinking this Jesus is just about this morning. It's about all week. So the question I want to leave you with is have you heard? Have you heard? Are you listening? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would open our ears, our minds, our hearts to hear the message of the gospel each and every day. That, that God's bigger vision for his church is all about Jesus. He, he is, he's the author. He's the writer of our faith. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone and the, the, the building that is the church. He's everything. I pray this morning, if those, there are those here, it's not just about knowing about Jesus. It's about having a relationship with him. And I pray that if there are those that don't know him, love him, have a personal relationship with him, Lord, I pray that you would convict their hearts and transform them this morning. Lord, we are thankful that you gave us the Holy Spirit so that we won't be shaken, that we'll be glad, that we'll be praising God. Lord, help us to live with that. Don't let us fall back into old patterns, things that we're struggling with. Lord, we know that Peter at this point had a total turnaround from just 50 days earlier. I pray that, that the, the hearts and the minds in this room would be totally different in 50 days. I pray that, God, your bigger vision would be that, that we would have a transformed church. And, Lord, we would be witnesses to the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us to hear what God's telling us through his word. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.